Food is fuel for your body, your mind, and definitely your sport. But let's face it, nutrition is confusing and the expectations on girls and women to be thin and have a six pack are exhausting. If you've ever been frustrated with your body, confused about nutrition, obsessed with eating healthy or guilty when you don't, underate, overate, or overtrained and overwhelmed with all the pressure, then this podcast is for you. Nutrition can be easy. You can take control of it, but it might start with letting go of control by asking for help and making a change. I'm Lindsay Elizabeth Cortez, sports dietitian and owner of Rise Up Nutrition, where I empower female athletes to overcome nutrition concerns and perform at their highest level, to stop being confused by all the mixed or harmful messages, and finally have confidence in your body as a fierce, fit, and fueled female athlete. Welcome fans to another guest episode of the Female Athlete Nutrition Podcast, where I'm here with a client of mine. I love sharing client stories on this podcast because I think it's so inspiring. And I know that my guest, Abby, is really excited to share her story too. So I'm just going to read off a little bit about her so you can get to know her. Abby is currently a senior at a university in Montana. She played volleyball there for four years as a six rotation outside hitter on the team. Throughout her volleyball career, she battled a shoulder injury and came back from surgery during her junior year. Abby is currently studying health science and psychology with the goal of pursuing physical therapy school after her undergraduate education. Although her volleyball career has come to an end, she's training to increase her strength and speed daily. She will be sharing her passion for the game, coaching young athletes this summer, using the volleyball knowledge and experience she's been able to have as a college athlete. Abby finished the Female Athlete System of Transformation, our 12-week program to overcome disordered eating and use food as fuel to perform at your highest level. She just finished it this month, like last week, and she was eager to to come on the podcast. So Abby, thank you so much for being a guest. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Yeah. So let's start with kind of talking about your experience as an athlete and as a college athlete and how nutrition played a role in that for you. When you and I first met, you were very aware of the fact that disordered eating was was a problem for you. And it really kind of hit its peak during your time as a collegiate volleyball athlete. But when when did you first as an athlete become aware of nutrition and how it might help you or or how it was hurting you? You know, when did nutrition first come on your radar as an athlete? Yeah, you know, I would say that the first time it really came on my radar was my senior year of high school. Yeah, that's when I just made a pretty big move. I grew up in a small town in Montana my whole life and moved to a different high school. So there's a lot of changes in life. And I just remember feeling, you know, kind of alone. But the thing that I had that was really mine was being a volleyball player and being kind of more of a standout athlete. And, you know, that kind of became my identity for a while. And I just kind of went with it. And I learned that I could, you know, manipulate how I ate to look a certain way, to look more muscular, to what I thought at the time benefit my performance when really it was, it turned out to hurt me in the long run. Yeah. And, you know, I think part of your story that I came to know about you too, is that it, you know, this path that you went down was very unintentional. You 
you know, I think identifying as an athlete can be a great thing. And I want to empower you with that too, because you are, you are an athlete and a great one. But I think it was really unintentional of like, well, let me, you know, do some things with my food as fuel. Let me use it to my advantage as an athlete. But it kind of, it just became restrictive without intentionally being restrictive. Am I right to say that? Yeah, you're right on the money. And I very much took a liking to, you know, science and nutrition. And I love the numbers and everything. So then I just got even more into it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, now in college, you're studying that health science, interest in physical therapy. So it's like, you know, you're interested in how amazing the body is and the science of it. But then, yeah, sometimes we use that to our disadvantage. And so at what point can you share with the listeners, like at what point did this, oh, cool, I can, you know, change my fueling, help my game, get more muscle. At what point did that start to affect you negatively? Definitely my freshman year of college. Actually, rewind a little bit before that, I had my first injury. That's when my left shoulder first sublux was at a basketball practice. And at the time, I wouldn't have attributed that to being undernourished. But looking back on it, I think that was definitely a factor because at that point I had been, you know, under fueling for probably five, six months. And so that's the first time my shoulder went out. And so back to my freshman year, you know, I just remember feeling so fatigued and like I had a constant like brain fog in practice. I couldn't remember, you know, what sets I was supposed to hit. Didn't really have a full grasp on what we were doing at the practice. and. I just remember like going through the motions a lot of the time and just feeling like I was not myself, you know, like feeling like I had peaked in high school and that's just how it was going to be. And it wasn't any fault of my own. And, you know, at the time I was very much under fueling. And for the next three years, I, I dealt with that shoulder injury and it came out four or five more times before I ever got surgery. And it wasn't until after surgery that it really clicked in my head that hey, you know, that might have been a consequence. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's really tough with injuries. Uh, I think in hindsight, we can recognize things more clearly. But, you know, it's like because as an athlete, you're going, injuries are going to happen, right? And unfortunately, I just think at some point in your career as an athlete, we're going to get injured. But when nutrition plays such a big role, in your health, in your musculoskeletal system, in your energy levels, your ability to recover. It's like, this is definitely playing a role. So it's hard in that moment of your first injury to say, oh, this is completely because of my nutrition. But it's like, as the years go on and you never are fully recovered from this, or it keeps happening over and over again. And you know, in the back of your head that I'm not fueling well, then we start to kind of connect those dots a little bit. Definitely, definitely. And and something else that stands out in my mind is that I was constantly sore. Like I would never be fully recovered, but I almost took it as like, if I wasn't sore, then I didn't work hard enough. And if I didn't work hard enough, then, you know, you know how it goes with just like the mindset around eating disorders that you don't deserve those calories, which is a complete lie. But that's what I thought at the time. And And when you're in that cycle of, you know, injury and being out from sport and watching practices and, you know, being that sidelined player, it's easy to fall into diet culture. And that's exactly what happened to me. And I 
you know, started believing that, oh, maybe I don't, I don't need as many carbs because I'm not out on the court. And so then I get hooked on the the keto fad and high protein lifestyle. And that's just, you know, as I've learned through your program, that's not true. That's not what athletes need. Even injured athletes. That's not what injured athletes need. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It, what's the saying I want to say? Like it's a double-edged sword of where I think in sports nutrition, we're doing a good job of saying you're an athlete, you need carbs as fuel. But then during times when our athletics are challenged, like during a time of injury or an off season, that mindset can kind of hurt us because then we're like, well, now I don't need carbs or I don't need as many. And that's very, as you already used the term, like you got sucked into diet culture. And I think that was really prevalent when you came to me with a lot of the foods you were eating, you know, the high protein cereal or protein bars and low carb this, low carb that. And it just, because not only was it affecting your physical body, as we're talking about with injury of perhaps never fully recovering and therefore affecting your game. But I think this really also started to affect your mindset and your expectations about your body, how it should look, you know, right? Because diet culture is saying like high protein, low carb, lean out, be toned. And that's, you know, was very much in your head as well as just the constant kind of stress and fear around food of if I do eat carbs, what's going to happen then? So that was another one of your big struggles was, okay, these repeated injuries as well as just mentally really overthinking food and overthinking how it might affect your body. Oh, absolutely. That was a huge that's a huge part of my story because, you know, that's the things that people don't really see is what's going on in your head. And at the time, definitely my freshman, sophomore year, I was very isolated because I didn't really want to have to answer to anybody for what I was eating. And I didn't want to be judged. And I didn't want somebody to tell me that I needed to do something different because, you know, as a student studying nutrition and, and all those things, I thought I knew it all. And I thought that I was just, quote unquote, clean eating. And this is what the top athlete should do. And then on top of that, there's, you know, well, what really should a volleyball player look like? And so I was always trying to chase this image, chase this, this thought that I had of what a volleyball player should look like that I wasn't. And I was constantly refining the way I looked and working out obsessively. And like, I honestly can't help but think about all the opportunities that I missed out on because I was so just consumed by thoughts about what I was going to eat next and what my next workout was going to be. And then it was just like, I'll repeat for two years. Mm-hmm. Exhausting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do you feel about the term clean eating now? <laughs> I don't use it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I What I think about it is that really that's, that's somebody that is describing you know, some restrictive eating. I mean, you're not allowing yourself to eat things that maybe you really want to eat, like cake or dessert, or, you know, in some way there's parameters around what you're eating and you're probably doing it for some sort of outcome, whether it's aesthetics or performance. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know that term is one that I really don't use either. And I think a lot of people, I I don't want to, I don't want to say everybody's using it in the wrong way, but I think kind of what you said, it's it's in disguise of it. It's probably just restrictive 
eating, disordered eating, some sort of like I've got rules around food and we're just disguising it as something that's considered to be good. And I'm not so sure. I definitely, in your case, it wasn't. Yeah, definitely. It was definitely a cover up to eat the way that I wanted to eat and not have people call me out on it, really. Yeah. And you bring up another great point to Abby of like, you didn't want, you didn't, that is how you wanted to eat at that time, right? You weren't ready to change or have someone tell you like, eat more carbs. You weren't ready for that at that time. So for you, what was the switch and like when you came to me and were ready for help or ready for a change? Was it just after two years of this mental exhaustion and multiple years of repeated injuries? We've just had it. We're just done with it. Yeah. You know, that's a great question. I mean, those, like I said, those first two years, my freshman and sophomore year were definitely a low point for me. But at that time, I didn't really know what I was doing to myself. And I didn't really think that it was wrong. And then my my junior year hit and I got shoulder surgery. So I was sidelined for the season. And, you know, I had to get kind of comfortable not working out as much. And I really started to think about, well, what do I even eat right now? I don't know what what to eat when I'm not working out. I don't know what this person eats, you know, it was very hard for me. And then I really started thinking about, well, you know, maybe, maybe most people don't think about food like this. Maybe it doesn't consume their thoughts daily. Maybe I need to get this checked out. And and I'd seen therapists over the years just for, just for some depression and anxiety and stuff. But I really think that this was the root of it that I didn't know at the time. And so when I found you, I just found you on a Google search because, you know, at that time, I was really tired of being in limbo between, oh, I'm like, I am feeling enough and are thinking, you know, I overate or I didn't eat enough. You know, I was just, I constantly just didn't know. And I needed, I felt like I needed somebody else to tell me, like, here's what you do. And you don't have to be afraid because so many people before you have tried this and, yeah, I just, I couldn't do it on my own. I was stuck in a cycle. Yeah. Yeah. I remember you telling me in one of our first conversations that post-surgery, you thought to yourself, well, maybe I can figure out this whole nutrition thing just as a normal person. If I'm no longer training as an athlete, at least I can use this time to figure out nutrition as a, as a you know, I've got air quotes around this, but as a, as a normal person, as a non-athlete, but you, you still struggled to figure out that out. It was still this, this battle, even for that. So it was like, I think that's, yeah, I think when you came to me, it was like, okay, didn't have this figured out as an athlete. And now I also didn't have this figured out during a time of injury when I wasn't training. So maybe I just need help in this, which is amazing that you came to that conclusion, because I love you know, what you highlighted already and why it's so important that you are so awesome that you're willing to share your story is because so many of us don't realize that what we're doing might not be helping us. Like you were freshman, sophomore year, you didn't realize at that time. And, you know, we can play the what if game. What if I knew? What if I got help sooner? But it, it is what it is. The, the point is you realized it at some point and got the help that you needed, which would be a great time to kind of shift gears and talk about that help that you got in the fast track. We've been working together for three months now. We've been working very closely with Jenna as well, my lead nutrition success coach here. And so 
you kind of already mentioned like, okay, in joining, it was, you felt confident that other people have done this and they found success. So maybe I can too. Overall, just kind of fast forwarding, what would you say, you know, this experience has been like for you with the problems you were having mentally, always thinking about food, not feeling like you were supporting your physical needs, having these repeated injuries, just feeling confused and conflicted about what to eat, when, what's allowed, how much, like, how has all of that changed in the last 12 weeks? Man, it is like a night and day difference. (laughs) If I were to describe what this program has done for me, it would be life-changing, honestly. I remember coming into the program just feeling like marked by fear, honestly, and not wanting, I mean, I wanted to change, but I was afraid of change, but I didn't realize the potential that feeling adequately had, you know, and I tapped into that in, I think, week two. And I remember specifically a day where I went to the gym and I had a pre-practice, you know, something like that, nutrition, pre-workout nutrition. And I remember going there and just feeling like I had so much energy that I just kept going. I just kept going and going because I, not because I wanted, you know, it wasn't like a bad mindset where like, oh, I need to burn more calories because I was simply just curious because I had all this energy when it was going to stop. <laughs> I can't remember <laughs> the last time that I felt like that, maybe in high school or something. And pretty soon I just had to say, okay, this is it. Like I stopped myself. I could have kept going, but I seriously had so much energy. I didn't really know what to do with. And I just think that goes to show, you know, I was chronically underfueled for so long. And even in just two weeks, I was starting to see some pretty incredible results. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. I always say we very often don't know how bad we feel until we finally feel good. And I think you kind of already mentioned this earlier. Can You can really get sucked into athlete mentality of I have to do more. It's normal to be sore. It's normal to be fatigued. But it's like, then when you have that experience of like, let's, let's keep going. Let's like, what's the next drill? Who wants to scrimmage right now? Like whatever it might be, because you've got so much energy, then you're like, no, this is how it can be. This is what feeling good is like. And especially you mentioned too, it really affected your game just from a focus and clarity standpoint, right? When we talk about energy, it's twofold. It's that I can literally keep running and jumping and hitting this ball as well as I'm thinking more clearly and like more that the technical aspect of the game or the strategic aspect of the game is really improved there too. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So yeah, that's huge. And let's tap into kind of, I think another awesome thing that you did in this program, we've touched on it a little bit already, but really breaking down that like diety barrier of like, one thing I was so proud of you for Abby was like, you took your normal grocery list because we we all get into routines, you know? So it's like, when I go to the grocery store, I just always buy these foods. And I feel like it was in a week that you were just like crumbled up your grocery list and had a new one and just started buying different foods and whole foods. Right. So you really just jumped into that. <laughs> yeah. You know, there was just, there's a point when I decided, you know what, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to be two feet in. Because if I'm, if I'm two feet in, then I'm going to reap all the benefits of being a fully fueled athlete. So I decided I'm going to throw out all the diety foods I have in my pantry. And I remember just taking <laughs> trash bags out of my house and yeah. thinking this is silly, but 
the next time I went to the grocery store, I challenged myself. I was like, you know what? I'm going to buy full fat yogurt. I'm going to buy whole milk. I'm going to buy regular cereal, not keto cereal, you know, all these things. And I, well, for one, I started feeling way more energized. And two, I stopped having as many GI issues. And I really think it has something to do with eating all those artificial sweeteners. And it's funny because coming into the program, I really thought that those diety foods were going to be part of my diet forever. And I'm so glad that's not a reality. (laughs) Yeah. Especially when you also feel the difference, again, energy, one thing, but the GI concerns. And I see this a lot with clients all the time. And you and I just talked about this the other day too, of it. It's twofold of like in that moment or in that day that you eat it, a lot of these diety foods have sugar alcohols or really high fiber that can just not be good in that moment, make you bloated, make you gassy, things like that. And then also over time, as we continue to eat those foods, it changes our gut bacteria and our gut microbiome that can cause other GI issues as well, kind of more long-term. And so once you take these foods out, you might feel an immediate difference that can be positive as well as kind of long-term as your gut changes and in my opinion, heals as well. So that was another thing benefit of you really swapping the, your food choices, changing your grocery list, you know, and, and that's the way to do it, right? It's, I'm going to say a quote, I don't know if it'll resonate with everybody, but it's resonated with me and your example of like throwing the food out because that, that hurts a lot of people to throw food out or be wasteful. But a quote that has helped me in my lifetime is it's either waste in the trash can or it's waste in your body. And either way, it's already wasted. So if anybody ever struggles with that feeling of like, but I'm wasting food by throwing it out, like this wasn't the right food for your body. This wasn't the right fuel for your body. So by you hanging on to it and continuing to eat it, it was already wasteful for your body, right? So it's like, what's the difference then? Let me put it in the trash can and get foods that actually nourish me and are right for me. Yeah, that's so good. I've never heard it put that way, but I like that quote. Yeah, yeah, I think and it, it can apply to a couple different scenarios. And like I said, it might not resonate with everybody. But I think in that, I've personally been somebody who struggles to throw food out like it, it can hurt me sometimes, whether it be from like, I don't know why, whether it's financially, or just like environmentally, like I hate when I have leftovers that I didn't eat in time. I'm like, Oh, my God, I'm wasting it. But it would be wasting my body because that food is bad and it would make me sick. So I have to throw it out <laughs> if the leftovers didn't get eaten in time. So yeah, so in those scenarios, I hope that quote can help people. And I think it really applied to you too. Definitely. Yeah, for sure. Hey fans, I hope you are enjoying this conversation so far and we'll be back to it in just a moment. But first, I want to pause and let you know that this episode is brought to you by the Female Athlete System of Transformation, aka the Fast Track to overcome disordered eating and use food as fuel to perform at your highest level. The Female Athlete System of Transformation is my unique program and proven systems to guide female athletes to understanding and implementing the proper nutrition for their sport, life, and health. Myself and my team of registered sports dietitians work one-on-one with clients to address their unique needs and counsel them through the nutritional and behavioral changes needed. 
many female athletes who resonate with disordered eating, mental guilt around food and body, relative energy deficiency in sport or female athlete triad, amenorrhea, repeat injuries due to negligent nutrition, or frankly, just a lack of knowledge and understanding on their fueling needs, have seen incredible success in the fast track. After years of working as a sports RD, I've compiled the most effective ways for female athletes to learn nutrition, be supported, be challenged, and ultimately find their success with fueling as fast as possible. So don't wait another day. Get to your goals faster by joining the Female Athlete System of Transformation. Look in the show notes or head to the website to book a free call and learn more. Okay, now let's get you back to the conversation. Enjoy. So, Abby, it's, you know, you were also, am I correct? I didn't say it in your bio, but you were captain, correct? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry, I didn't say it in your bio in Love the beginning, the but... As captain of your team and somebody who's gone through this process and somebody who's willing to share your story now, like kind of on a, on a platform and everything, this is a loaded question. But why do you think it's so important for girls and women to kind of go through a process of learning how to fuel their bodies and be a voice for, I think you said, like, but what being a really fueled athlete really feels like and is? Oh man, I think there's definitely a lot of different ways I could go about answering this question, but I think it's so important. You know, one because you can get so sucked into the cycle of, you know, underfueling and just think about that as, you know, your new normal. And that that is what happened to me and I think it's so important to adequately fuel for your performance, for, you know, the mental aspect of it, to keep your mind on the game, to be able to support your teammates. And also to be a role model for other people who, you know, are struggling with, you know, underfueling and and things like that. And and for me, that's a huge part of why I really wanted to do this program is because I felt like before I couldn't really talk to especially younger athletes who I knew were having similar struggles, who are definitely, you know, scrolling on social media and reading the same messages that I did. And I could just, you know, see them going down that that rabbit hole kind of. And I wanted so badly to help, but, you know, I couldn't even really help myself at the time. And I'd never gone through recovery and what it, what it was like to actually adequately feel myself. And now I feel very strongly about, you know, I, I am fueled fit and fierce and I can share that story and, and I can be confident in that and just empower other, you know, female athletes, whether it's, you know, my players someday when I'm coaching or just teammates or whoever, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Once you help yourself, then, you know, you can help others. And I think that was really prevalent for you from the beginning of like, you had a desire to help others and be a role model for others, but it's like, okay, but it starts with me. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Which is amazing to recognize that because for some reason, I feel like some people kind of can get that a little screwed up of like, knowing how important this is, but they don't ever fully get the help themselves first. And I can confidently say that I think you have fully gotten the help yourself, made the changes. You really have, Abby, you've made the, the mental changes, you've made the habit and behavior changes. And then, you know, you've got your performance to show for it as well, to confidently say like, you are a role model in this space now and moving forward. 
How do you think like it's just been 12 weeks, Abby, and this was something you struggled with since, you know, kind of starting senior year of high school, really hitting its its peak throughout college. And this was just 12 weeks. How how com- I think you're confident, but how confident are you that th- that you will know and understand your personal nutrition for kind of like a lifetime? Yeah, you're right. I, I am confident in that this 12 weeks has equipped me so well for knowing what it's like to adequately, you know, fuel and understand that, you know, our bodies as women are constantly changing, which means my nutrition might change to to meet those demands. And and that's okay. And it's almost like, you know, I've heard this, I've heard Jenna say this, but it's almost like you you can't really outsmart yourself anymore. Like I know these things and there's no going back to that old way. So Yeah, yeah, that is something Jenna says all the time, <laughs> which is all I love how she says that because that was like part of her story and she's been on the podcast sharing it too, of like it gets to a point where you're just too smart. You just know too much about nutrition and you're like, I can't fool and manipulate myself anymore. Like time to do it right. But, but yeah, because again, 12 weeks, I think it's really changed your nutrition for now and in this moment, but now you're very confidently like, but I know my nutrition can change and likely will change in the future, but I'm going to, I'm going to be smart about it. I'm going to know how to do that in like a really realistic and helpful and healthful way, helpful and helpful, as opposed to, you know, tricking or manipulating or going down the wrong path. So yeah, that's, that's awesome. All right, Abby, I feel like you're really painting a picture of like a lot of successes and how this program has been so helpful to you, you know, both with just really nourishing your body, having confidence in your nutrition choices, you know, healing some GI issues. But I'd like to hit on two other like really big things is your actual like performance and how you're really feeling as an athlete, as well as your mindset around all of this. So, so starting with performance, you know, we did mention that, that volleyball as you know, we've closed the chapter on volleyball, but that doesn't mean that you've closed the chapter on being an athlete and actually kind of halfway through this program, you talked to me and Jenna about really changing your training program, hitting the weights a bit harder and stuff like that. So I'd love to know how you're able to apply. If you can share with our listeners, like how all of your changes with nutrition have helped you as you changed your training as well. Yeah, definitely. I wouldn't be able to see the strength gains that I am seeing right now without making those nutrition changes. Definitely. I don't know. I just think really honing in on my pre-workout feeling and post-workout feeling has kind of changed the game and making sure that I'm seriously eating enough. Because before I was, you know, working out to be more defined. And now I I really have a goal of like working out to become stronger. And I think I would be really sore right now if I was under fueling. And so I can kind of read my body and stay, you know, kind of in tune with it and know that I am fueling adequately because I am seeing, you know, faster recovery and, you know, pushing more weight. And my gym sessions, honestly, they've leveled up since I've started this program. Uh, Hugely. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, thinking about your story, it's like I went from this undernourished, injured athlete to like you, you have leveled up, you're hitting the gym pretty hard, you're seeing a lot of strength gains, and you're feeling really good about it. And, you know, again, even though your chapter is a volleyball athlete, 
might be closed for now, but not completely. Like you're, you're going to be coaching. Like I know that sport is still so important to you and you never know where in life it will take you. But just for right now, we're kind of just closing the door, but you're opening the door on changing your training and stepping into just being a different type of athlete. And so that's really exciting for you. And to see your body respond, it's like so many other doors are opening now, now that I know how to fuel and take care of myself and recover. Yeah, definitely. I put myself in a better place to do that because of how I eat. So, And I, yeah, I, I feel like this is just, I don't know, this is just bringing me back to like, as I closed my collegiate career chapter, because when I, when I personally finished track in college, I was very injured and like broken at that time. And it was just this like, oh, like, okay, it's over. But that was honestly the beginning of, of my story. And I think re-nourishing and healing my body physically as well as my mind. And that's when I started finally changing the way that I thought about fueling um, was honestly post-college. And it's like, I've had some of my best running performances and just like, you know, post-college. Like, I don't want any college athlete to think like, Uh, it's done now. Like college athletics is awesome. But if you keep taking care of your body and keep fueling and training well, and if this is a passion of yours, like you've got so many years left to crush it, like really crush it. So I think this is exciting for you. It's an exciting time. Yeah, that's so inspiring. I, it's funny that you say that because, you know, bringing up kind of the end of your college career in whatever your sport is, I remember starting college volleyball and thinking like, what am I going to do when I'm not a volleyball player anymore? (laughs) And like this program has put me in a place where I just have a list of things that I want to do with my athletics. And I want to achieve all those goals. And I'm so excited for it now. And even if it wasn't, you know, athletics that I'm fueling for, I now have, you know, more of a mindset of like, I need to fuel to perform well in, in school and to study and, you know, to be a great daughter and a great fiance and a great friend and, and all of these things that are, are still so important and you really can't do without fueling yourself. Mm-hmm. You've really expanded your mindset of what fueling well is for and what it means. It's fueling to perform, but it's so much more than that. What what are some of your biggest mindset shifts I, that you've like had or embraced, like, just tell me, cause this is something that you shared with me was a really important aspect of this program was changing your mindset. You know, why was this so important to you? And, and, you know, how, what does that look like to just say that you've changed your mindset? Well, it's definitely harder to do than just to say, <laughs> and it's yeah. taken me a long time and I want to continue to grow this. Cause you know, like you say, mindset is a muscle and I'm trying to stretch that and grow that daily. But really, one thing that really hit me in the program, I guess there's two things. But the first thing I want to mention really is how you said a quote in one of the beginning of your videos that in order to start winning, you really need to let go of losing or being focused on losing. And that hit me like a train because I, you know, before that I was working out to lose, whether it was like fat or calories or whatever it was. And that definitely took away from my ability to win on the court and be the best that I could. And, you know, when I was, when I was feeling, I would focus on like, you know, what can I do to be smaller? How can I have smaller portions and and eat less and losing like everything? When I read that quote, it was like, 
everything that I had been doing was focused on losing. So no wonder I wasn't winning <laughs> in, in life, on the court, in my relationships. So that was huge. And then the other thing is just being 100% accountable. And, you know, once you know all the things throughout the 12 weeks of the program, you really start to understand that, you know, in order to make those goals that you've set for yourself, if you really want to get there, you can't, you can't have this mindset of being undernourished and, and, you know, restrictive. And that's where you have to be accountable to yourself. Is this really growing me? Is this, am I really getting 1% better today? So that's kind of where that mindset shift happens. Yeah. 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 Those are two great examples. And just remembering that mindset is a muscle and it is something that you have to train and you have to grow and you have to put in the work for it. And it's not going to grow if your mindset is always thinking like less or, you know, yeah, smaller, like you grow, expand that mindset, right? Some really great stuff that you did there. If you will allow me to ask you this question, you mentioned that like fueling is now not just like fueling for being a better athlete, but being a better daughter, being better fiance. So really exciting was during these 12 weeks, <laughs> you got engaged. <laughs> I did. Yeah, that was a yeah. life moment. <laughs> huge life moment for you. And although the two events just happened to overlap, had nothing to do with you being in this program, but, but, you know, we did have a conversation one time about like, oh, wedding diets and stuff like that. So, I mean, yeah. Okay. <laughs> just like, give, <laughs> give a big eye roll for the people just listening. Yeah. As you now like being a fiance and kind of like, you know, in that world of like wedding planning and stuff like that. And even just like your relationship with food as you're also in an intimate relationship. Do you have any thoughts or comments to share about about that in this life stage that you're in? Yeah, I mean, definitely it is intimidating, the expectation out there as, you know, a gal getting ready to be married and going to be a bride. There's definitely, I've already had comments like, oh, she's on the bridal diet, you know, and those things, they hurt a little bit because <laughs> I do not want to even associate with a diet anymore, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, you know, it is, it is challenging. And the expectations from just the world, especially on being a female, it's so hard to overcome sometimes. But I really just go back to, you know, who I know that I am, and who I want to be. And, and I remember talking to you about this, how I don't need four months before my wedding to prep my body to get into a dress. Like, no way. If they want to alter my dress, they can alter it to how my body looks or I will get another dress. And I'm ready to get married tomorrow, frankly, because I look look the way that I'm going to look and I'm confident in myself. And I know that my fiance loves me for how I look right now and that, you know, I don't need to fit some cookie cutter version of somebody else. Mm -hmm. No, you do not. And it's right. Yeah, he the whole wedding diet stuff. It's so bizarre because it's like. First of all, this is not what it's about, but it's like, if he proposed to you how you are, then he wants to get married to you how you are. Why would he need to, you know, you need to change how you look to get married. Oh, absolutely. And again, yeah. that's not why you get married is not because of how you look anyways. So he loves you for so much more and so much reasons far, far deeper than that. But it's just like, why is this part of our culture at all? It's so bizarre. Yeah. And something that I would just like to add on that note is that our bodies as we get older, that's going to change. Like I'm going to get wrinkles. My looks are going to fade. 
but I truly believe that who you are and your heart, like that lasts forever. So in this time, if I were to try and change the way that I look to look like somebody else, I know that would negatively impact my relationship with him greatly. I'm sure that I would be hangry and just, you know, as they say, I guess, bridezilla, you know. Yeah. And I don't want that. I want to look back on this time and think, man, I had so much fun getting ready for for a wedding for a very special day. I want to look back and know that I loved him to the best of my ability every day leading up to the wedding and mm-hmm. and that I can tell my sisters and I can tell my friends, you know, when, when they're getting ready for their special day confidently that, no, you look beautiful and you're ready and you don't need to change. Yeah. Make me cry. Is <laughs> is beautifully said, and yeah, that was another. That was a good thing to to touch on. I didn't know if you were willing to let me share, but I'm excited for you that you're engaged. So. <laughs> it's a good thing to touch on for sure. You know, there's probably two final questions I have for you, Abby. The first one, again, I didn't prep you for this, so I'm like, oh, it's okay to talk about it. <laughs> The first one is that with a lot of our college age clients, I do often like to see if, you know, a parent might support you in this process, especially from a financial standpoint, because many of us when we're in college, aren't financially independent. I wasn't. So, you know, I'm not making that assumption for everybody. But you actually did finance a lot of your way through this yourself. And I don't take that lightly. And I was wondering if you might just share with other people who are concerned about finances or just in your shoes as a a college athlete and, you know, just working your way through life still, what making this investment into yourself really means. Yeah. I mean, you took the words right out of my head. An investment in this program, it truly is an investment in yourself. And I know that you could spend that money in a thousand different ways, whether it's, you know, your next grocery run or rent or paying for tuition. Like there's so many things as a, as a, a college student and a student athlete that there, there is a lot of financial pressure and sometimes it can be really, really stressful. But for me, the final decision was really, you know, this is a priority to me and I don't want to continue to deal with this for the rest of my life and have it affect my performance, my relationships, my, you know, my self-talk, the way that I see myself, it, an investment in this program, I guess it really just is an investment in yourself. And I'm so grateful that I I stumbled upon your website the day that I did, because like I said before, it truly has been life-changing and it's been worth every cent. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that because it, that is the purpose of this too, that it's, it's investment. The financial investment is a reflection of the investment into yourself, the life changing transformations. And hopefully too, you won't have to make an investment like this again. And heck, how much money are you going to save not buying quest bars anymore? So I mean, (laughs) those babies are not cheap. So, um, so right. That's where it's kind of like, you know, money. Thank you for allowing me to ask you that question because financial decisions are hard and they're unique to each individual. But if you think about it as an investment into yourself and think about money, sometimes it's like, you know, energy just in your life where it's like, well, if I spend energy here, then I save energy elsewhere, or I'm able to give back that energy in other ways. And it's just kind of this, 
you know, I think, you know, when it's worth it to you. And I'm, I'm so glad that this was, was worth it to you. I think as you've shared so many people with so many people today, I think they can all see that this was worth it to you. And I think anybody else is resonating with your story, with your past struggles, or is looking to be like, oh my gosh, I want to be as confident as Abby is right now, then perhaps this could be the exact program for you as well. So Abby, do you have any final words or pieces of advice to any other female athletes that you would like to share? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I've actually been thinking on this for a couple of days. And honestly, you know, like you said, you have to be ready for the change. And if I would have found this program prematurely, I don't think I would be seeing so much progress as I did right now. But I was, you know, I was in a very, just a low place in life. And kind of at the same time that I found your program, I was also really pressing into my faith. And that's a huge part of my story that I just want to put out there. But also just understanding that, you know, you are one of one. There's not one person on this planet like you. and you are so worthy. You're worthy of rest. You're worthy of fuel. You're worthy of laughter and, and all the, all the good things and just giving yourself grace and growing in that daily and understanding that you're not perfect, but you're, you're progressing. Mm -hmm. Beautifully said and amazing advice. Well, Abby, do you want to play the four fun questions at the end of every podcast? Absolutely. (laughs) If there was one food you could eat every single day for the rest of your life and never get sick of it, what would it be? Chicken enchiladas. <laughs> so good. So good. That's why when I shared on our call last week that I made my own, your eyes lit up. <laughs> yeah, I've been uh, experimenting with my chicken enchilada recipe, which when I say experimenting just means like I just make it different every time. I'm, I'm not measuring anything. I'm not, I kind of buy different sauces every time, just kind of get random ingredients, throw it together and they're delicious every time. <laughs> so good. <laughs> yeah. Abby, your favorite sport to participate in? Uh, Volleyball. <laughs> yeah, that one's pretty easy. I've been, I actually played other sports for longer than I've played volleyball in my life. Before college, I played basketball for a long time, like nine years. And I swam competitively for eight years. And I love, I love all the sports, played soccer, you know, all, all the things, but volleyball, when I got to high school, it was just like, I love the sport. And my mom, she kind of put me on that. I think she really wanted me to be her volleyball daughter and it really stuck. Yeah. Yeah, That's awesome. So volleyball is your favorite to play, but you are a lover of all sports. So how about as a spectator, what's your favorite sport to watch? I love to watch basketball. Mm-hmm. That's what I thought. <laughs> awesome. And Abby, if there is a female athlete that you want to give a shout out to for just being an inspiration or a role model, who would that be and why? So this person is very near and dear to my heart. It's actually my Aunt Deanne. She played basketball and track, volleyball, and she was a cheerleader in high school. And she now is a realtor in Montana, and she's a very successful businesswoman. I look up to her in so many ways, but she she has lupus, so she's constantly battling joint pain and just connective tissue pain. And if you met her, you would think she's the most joyful person. 
you'd ever seen. And she makes you just like light up. She's a light in the room. And she's just, to me, she's just a picture of joy. And she's the kind of person that I really want to be, a person that lifts others up, that's encouraging. And she really just is a huge role model to me of the woman, the strong woman that I want to become. Amazing. To your aunt. See, we have inspiring female athletes within our own personal lives. And, you know, sometimes it's it's great to see people on the big screen and winning gold medals. And if we just look around us, we're amazed. We can be just so impressed and so amazed by the people around us and in our personal lives. So I'm so glad that you have her as a role model in your life. Well, thank you again, Abby. This has been awesome. Yeah, thank you for having me. I really hope you enjoyed that episode and thanks for listening. But before I let you go, I have free resources that you can have access to right away, right now, so that you can start fueling your body as a fierce, fit, and fueled female athlete. First, I have your Red S recovery race. If you've ever wondered if you might be struggling with Red S, curious to learn more, or know you have Red S and are looking to recover fast, then you can head to www.riseupnutritionrun.com slash red S and download the red S recovery race. See how you place and figure out the next steps to recovery. Plus while there, I have a few other great resources for you, including three nutrition secrets that every elite athlete swears by and access to our private Facebook community, female athlete nutrition. So again, to gain access to all of this, head to riseupnutritionrun.com slash red S that's backslash R E D S. And you can gain access and get the help you need fast. Too many girls and women and female athletes struggle with nutrition, but you don't have to any longer become fierce, fit and fueled links in the show notes, and I'll see you next time.